In one fell swoop, all of the buzz is back. People are talking about the Wolverines, not talking about them Knowles. They're talking about them Wolverines. Let's get into, now that the dust has settled a little bit from Nebraska, some of the reactions, including Joel Klatt, including some of the players, Jim Harbaugh, all that kind of stuff. We're going to talk about all of that on this episode of Locked On Wolverines. You are Locked On Wolverines, your daily podcast on the Michigan Wolverines. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Happy Tuesday. We are back and doing it. Locked On Wolverines podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. I'm your man on the ground, Isaiah Hole, publisher of Wolverines Wire through USA Today Sports Media Group. Uh, it has been interesting to just kind of see the general reactions from the uh, just about Michigan in after this Nebraska win right now, Nebraska, not exactly uh, a team that you're going to sit there and say, wow, they actually beat Nebraska, right? That's not necessarily a big win, but this was, as we talked about pure domination and just not just about every way in every way. And when you kind of look back at it after a game like this, it's kind of like, well, Michigan's kind of been dominating all along. Maybe it wasn't flashy. Maybe it wasn't anything crazy, but it, it was dominant. And now you see kind of what it starts to look like when they put it all together, right? This is generally Jim Harbaugh's second game back, and I think that's one of those things where people are kind of realizing maybe he was missed a little bit. And not now, obviously, that's something that we've talked about here on this show. It's That's no different. It's one of those things that I think, though, nationally, for those who are like, what's wrong with Michigan? They're only winning uh, by 25 points every week even though it's one of the higher scoring differentials in the country. It, I think Penn, only Penn State has a higher one, thanks to some late-game shenanigans. <laughs> Wouldn't have been quite as high against uh, some of these teams, but nonetheless. Uh, I, I do think that uh, suddenly everyone's like, okay, well, now that I think about it, even with the Bowling Green game in which J.J. had his worst game as a Wolverine, that this Michigan team is really just firing on all cylinders and even when it it doesn't look like it's firing on all cylinders it's only firing on half of its cylinders it's still a lot faster and tougher than most vehicles out there right that's kind of where Michigan is at this moment and you're starting to really kind of feel that you look around and you start to see these power rankings and different things I mean Joel Klatt had Michigan at his as his number one Michigan two weeks ago after the Rutgers game or I guess that was a week ago or at this point, but a week ago after the Rutgers game moved up to the number one on the ESPN SP plus after they continued to drop and drop and drop on FPI, they're all the way down to 14. Now they're back up to number eight. Uh, you, you got RJ young, who is, if, if you don't remember, he's the Fox uh, commentator. He's just got his own little shows and stuff like that. He's not a guy who does like games or whatever, but uh, who uh, didn't put Michigan in his top 25 preseason last year. Uh, now he's got Michigan as his number one team overall. Uh, with Georgia doing what it did, it, it, it everyone's kind of starting to say, is maybe Michigan's the number one team. Maybe it's the Wolverines. This isn't terribly different, but our uh, friend of the program, Joel Klatt, uh, he had said on his podcast, Michigan is like a boa constrictor. You find yourself in a cage with a... Uh, a small cage with a boa constrictor, you're going to end up dying. You're going to get suffocated to death. Now, that's not, you know, as a lot of, many of the, the Spartans who love to keep tabs on their favorite team, the Michigan Wolverines, you see a lot of 
of them saying, well, Joel's been saying stuff like this about Michigan ever since. Okay, whatever. It doesn't make it not true, right? Just because things didn't happen the way that other people anticipated in 2016, 2018, you know, 2020, 2021, just because people didn't, well, 21 notwithstanding, but just because people didn't, uh, it didn't work out quite as you expected. They, they had the pieces there. They showed some promise and then they fell apart. Maybe that's what happens this year. It doesn't look or feel like it. This is a team that it just, it feels better. And that's one of the things that not only Joel Clapp, but other people have pointed out, this feels like it's Jim Harbaugh's best team, right? Bruce Feldman said in the offseason, like, this should be Jim Harbaugh's best team. We have said this feels like Jim Harbaugh's best team. I think that's where suddenly you start to kind of question when, when they're only beating uh, teams 35 to 6 type, you know, whatever. That's 30, 32, I don't know what the average was, but, you know, in, in the 30s to the single digits. I think that when that was happening, people questioned it because did it look fully sharp? Did it look like the best team in the country? It, it didn't. I don't know that Michigan was going to win a championship in weeks one, two, or three. The, the good news is, is you don't win a championship or one, two, or three. You can lose a championship in weeks one, two, or three, but you can't win one in one of those years, right? Like, it, it, it's funny to me to some degree, the people who look at this and, say, and have been looking at, the, at this Michigan team and expecting to see 100% greatness out of the gates. Now, I thought they would have looked better than they did, but if you recall, in 2021 in particular, week four, Michigan beat Rutgers by six points and the sky was falling, right? And then they go, they go on the road. Something's different about this Michigan team on the road, right? They go on the road and suddenly it looks a heck of a lot better. Last year, they go and they play at Iowa and they let Iowa hang around after kind of pull, you know, pulling out where it's what seems to be insurmountable against a an Iowa offense that couldn't do anything. And suddenly the Iowa offense looks like it's being coached by uh, Don Coriel. <laughs> it's just, it's just, they're slinging, Spencer Peters is slinging the ball around, completing passes. And it's like, what is happening to this? You know, they struggle for a while against Indiana and it's like, okay, they want, they end up winning both by double digits, but after Maryland, Iowa, Indiana, it was fair to question how good Michigan actually was. The good news for Michigan that year is that after they got through those six weeks in week seven, they play Penn State. And suddenly, they turn on the afterburners and the jet is racing off. Now, we're going to have to wait a little bit longer for this Michigan team potentially to have to show that. Could they struggle in the meantime? I mean, it's possible, certainly. You know, Minnesota's a big, bulky team and uh, certainly is well coached. And even though it hasn't looked very good yet this year, per se, I mean, certainly they could string together a game. We've seen weirder things happen. And I don't know that Indiana the following week or Michigan State the week after is going to necessarily tell us a lot. Will Purdue tell us something two weeks later? Maybe, but probably we won't really know much about this Michigan team until Penn State when Michigan has all kinds of machinations on making that uh, a different game than what people might think it's going to be. We'll know a lot more about Penn State because it plays Ohio State before that. So we'll have a pretty good beat. We'll know about Ohio state even this week. You know, people say like, Oh, they won't learn. We don't know about Ohio state until week eight Penn state. No, I think we might learn a little something about Ohio state playing Maryland this weekend. Let's talk a little bit about that. We're going to touch on that in, in segment three 
I do want to talk a little bit about Donovan Edwards and and some other things here. Um, Roman Wilson acknowledging the thing, the actual term we have used on this podcast very frequently. I've used it no less than five times. We're, <laughs> we're going to, we're going to talk about some of those little things that have come out of the press conference. Well, a couple of Jim Harbaugh isms, and then we'll kind of go around the big 10 since we didn't really quite do that on Sunday. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to do that here in just a moment. Before we do now is the time for your game changer of the week brought to you by athletic brewing company, much like, you know, I got to give it to Roman Wilson. Athletic brewing company has completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game. They make non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good. Roman Wilson made the highlight catch. I, I can't recall a better catch from a Michigan receiver in a long time. And we, you even think about a couple of weeks ago, Cornelius Johnson had a circus catch. This was the type of thing that has been missing from the Wolverines for so long, going up, making a play over a defender, literally pinning the ball to his helmet, landing in bounds to start the scoring, uh, whatever, <laughs> against Nebraska. And you knew, Nebraska knew at that moment it was in for a long, long day. Now, Athletic Brewing Company has completely changed an alcoholic beer game, just like Roman Wilson changed that game. They make non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good, full-flavored, and well-crafted, just like a full-strength beer. The great thing about it is no hangovers ever. It's amazing in that sense. You don't have to ever worry about all of the stuff that comes with drinking actual alcohol. If you like the taste of beer, then you've got the opportunity to try one of the brews that Athletic Brewing Company has right here. So you can find Athletic Brewing Company's non-alcoholic brews at a store near you, or you can buy it online at athleticbrewing.com. First-time customers use the code LOCKEDON to get 15% off of your first online order. That's LOCKEDON at checkout for 15% off at athleticbrewing.com. Near beer, exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times. I'll tell you what, this is like the second. I skipped a couple Tuesdays because, you know, we got home stuff to do and whatever in all this travel at the beginning of the week and with all of the going to press conferences, living 45 minutes away again after getting accustomed to living a mile away, not even a mile. I wasn't even a mile away from John Meckler Hall. Um, so it's like you're trying to find the time to do the things you need to do. And uh, so uh, we were doing Monday shows and skipping Tuesday so I could get some stuff done and still trying to get our five in regardless and uh, all of that. And so now, right now, it's like Tuesdays at like 1030 is when we do this. I am hoping for this to not continually be the case and we'll get back on like a normal schedule at some point. I got to get also because part of the reason we don't do things in the morning is because uh, I have allergy issues that keep me very groggy for a couple hours until whatever medicine I take kicks in. It's I am incomprehensible. And uh, so I have big thanks to Rich Nelson, uh, who comments often on the podcast here uh, to uh, for for referring me to I think I think it's just called Alarmi or Alarmy or whatever. They've they've given me some new things. It makes me very sleepy, but it's working. So I mean we'll we'll see how it goes after a game. But I, cause I just got it yesterday. But I I took it while feel, still feeling the effects of field turf and like whoa, it was like my whole head cleared up. It was incredible. So hopefully maybe that will mean we can get back to mornings because taking it even for one day I, I woke up feeling wonderful and rested for the first time, like of my own volition, a half hour before my alarm. That's not unusual for me to wake up early, but I woke up like, feel rested. This is great. So maybe we can get back on the full mornings, uh, wake up early and do that. 
Uh, but otherwise, we, we're going to continue to just fit this in. It, this is a priority. It is the priority, but it's, it's still fitting it in when it makes sense in the schedule. And sometimes, unfortunately, 1030 at night is when it makes sense. So that's a little bit of house cleaning, just so you know. Hopefully, by the time we get to, like, Michigan State, it'll be like, okay, we know it's going to be up around, like, 11 o'clock every day. That's the goal as I just try to move these puzzle pieces together. All right, let's talk about uh, about four or five different things. Let's call this kind of, like, a lightning round. Oh, that's what we're going to call it if you're watching on YouTube and you look over at whatever side it is. I don't know. I don't I don't know where I'm pointing here. Um, but uh, it's uh, we're calling it the lightning round. So first, I think the most important thing is Donovan Edwards uh, acknowledges uh, tonight that, yeah, yeah, I, trust me, I know it's a slow start. It's not going the way that, uh, you know, I envisioned. He, he also said, you know, he was asked about, uh, you know, you think the expectations were maybe a little too high for you? And he's like, yes, yes. But I mean, I welcome that. I welcome the expectations. But, you know, it's at the same time, it's it's week five, right? We just got past week five. You know, it, it's it's a long season. And certainly I, I know what I want to do and I plan to do it. It's just a matter of doing it. And I think he's just got the right mindset. Some of the things that he says are just, they're just so wonderful and, and, and amazing. And I just think that he has the absolute right mindset. He did say like, you know, I hope that all of you were paying attention and talking to us in the media. If like you were doing your jobs, it was just a fun moment. All of us thought, you know, laughed at it. He's like, if you were actually doing your jobs, you would have, would have noticed a difference in what happened on Saturday. And no, he didn't get the yards, and he did lament Kalel Mulling scoring a touchdown before him uh, this year. But it's he, he said like I've been running harder, and I didn't. I definitely did notice that, and I think that some of it, it, it from my observation, some of the issues that Donovan's had is has been not, not even of his own making. Like I, I recall a, a play against Rutgers where he was trying to follow his blocker. And if his blocker maintained the block, I don't remember who it was who was doing the blocking. If the blocker maintained the block, Donovan would have busted it up for, he might still be running, right? But the blocker left let up just enough where the defender was able to come and make a shoestring tackle on him. Now, you, a lot of you, I'm sure, watched or listened to uh, when we had uh, Trevor Sikama on the show last week, and he had said, hey, you know, it's, he and Blake aren't breaking tackles at the same rate that they were last year. It's still early. I know we're we're almost at the half season mark, which is insane. And I hate it's still warm out right now. Like it's summer, which I like, <laughs> but it's uh we're, we're basically at the half season mark of the regular season, but that doesn't make an entire season right at this point last year. Really, there was only a handful of plays that we were talking about when it came to Donovan Edwards. Touchdown catch against Iowa. I, I can't recall any of the others. I don't, I don't recall any big play. I mean, maybe there were some big plays against Maryland. Maybe there were some, some things like that. Let's, uh, let's take a quick, 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 quick look. We, we might have to extend the, the lightning round into, and not talk about the Big Ten. That, that might end up being what's happening, but I don't know. Um, but uh, let, let's just take a quick look at Donovan Edwards' production and see how much I can remember uh, about uh, what happened last year. I don't remember what happened any, at any point, but okay. Right, so he, he missed two games. So at this point last year, Donovan Edwards in week one had 12 carries for 64 yards. He had three carries for 26 yards uh, against um, 
Hawaii. Didn't play against UConn or, or Maryland. Five carries for 29 yards against Iowa. Seven carries for 15 yards against Indiana. That's where he was at this same exact point, except for Indiana would have been week six. Missed a couple games. He hasn't missed any games yet this year. Then Penn State, 16 for 173, 10 for 42 against MSU, 15 for 109 against Rutgers, 2 for 13 against Nebraska, did not play against Illinois, 22 for 216 against Ohio State. That's still wild. 25 for 185 against Purdue and 23 for 119, which didn't even feel like a good performance based off of what he had done in the previous two games against TCU. He got into a mode. He he got that going. So I I think that there isn't necessarily, I'm not saying there's nothing to be concerned about because he's clearly a little concerned, but he's also unconcerned that he's going to find that groove. So, it's not unlike what we kind of saw from him. He had a big game, last, one big game the year before against Northern Illinois, eight carries for 86 yards. At some point, he's going to break through, and then the confidence is just going to build. It's kind of like what, it, what happened last year. So far, 12 carries, 37, six carries, th- uh, nine, nine carries, 50. He definitely felt a lot better about that Bowling Green game. Six carries for 13 against Rutgers, 14 for 848 uh, against Nebraska. Best game so far was Bowling Green. We'll see where where this goes at Minnesota. Yeah, we're going to continue with the Roman Wilson, Jim Harbaugh, all of that stuff. Uh, Maybe we'll touch on the Ohio State, but clearly my time management is uh, lacking for sure. So we're going to do that momentarily. Before we do, snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get... $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, and you do that win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, overs, and unders. You can get paid instantly. So many great things about it. So visit FanDuel.com slash lockdown and kick off NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. After this, I'm going to be watching the Ahsoka season finale, series finale. I don't know what the, what this is actually. If they're doing, we were, I was talking to Phil Callahan uh, at uh, UM Go Blue uh, at uh, the press conference, and he was like, "Is there is this going to be a, a series? Is it a movie? Like, what is what is it leading to?" And I don't really know, but I am very excited. Uh, I'm not going to do like I do on Jamie Morris's show and and give out fake spoilers. But uh, I am very excited about that. Just just as I am excited about Roman Wilson. Eight touchdown catches, leads the nation. It, it, it's, it's pretty incredible. And it's funny because we talked to him tonight as well. And he says, that's not, even, that's not even my best catch that I had. And he's also like, I do feel like I'm flying a little bit under the radar. Like people still think I suck. Right? And I think in part, and I, I guess this is what we'll segue into with the, uh, with the rival stuff. But... I think it's in part with, uh, no, he doesn't have these super gaudy numbers. Guess who also doesn't have super gaudy numbers? Marvin Harrison Jr., right? Like, he he is not exactly setting the world on fire either. But uh, we'll kind of do a side-by-side here uh, to some degree. I don't really have the, uh, I don't have both of them up, and I don't think I'm going to keep my one hand free. (laughs) 
Marvin Harrison Jr. has 17 receptions for 336 yards and three touchdowns. He leads Ohio State with 336 yards. Uh, Emeka Ibuka has 19 catches for 263 and three touchdowns. So keep those in your mind. I know I won't, but we'll we'll try. <laughs> um, Roman Wilson, 19 catches, 326. Same amount of catches as Abuka. Almost the same amount of, of yards as Marvin Harrison. So two more catches, about 10 less yards. Eight touchdowns. Almost triple the scoring. What's kind of wild is to look at this and see that Michigan has 11 receiving touchdowns at this point of the year. Michigan had 24 receiving touchdowns all of last year. 21 all of the year before. 25 the year before, uh, not the year before, but 2019, 24. 2017 only had nine. I remember that was a wild year. Um, so they've already eclipsed that. 2016, which was a very good year, uh, they had uh, 20. So also to note, I'm to go back that other way, the leading touchdown receiver in all of 2016 was Amara Darbo with seven. The leader in receiving in 2017 in terms of touchdown production was uh, Sean McCune with three. Three. Weirdly, in 2017, Donovan Peoples-Jones had zero touchdowns, which I didn't realize. 2018, the leader was Donovan Peoples-Jones with eight. So he's already tied how many touchdowns Donovan Peoples-Jones has had in his best year as a Wolverine. Uh, Nico Collins had seven in 2019. We're going to skip over 2020, but well, no, Cornelius Johnson had three in 2020 in six games. Pretty good for what that, whatever that was. Um, no one had more than three in 2021. Cornelius, Roman, uh, Scooney, Andrell, Anthony all had three. And in 2022, the leader was Cornelius Johnson with six. So that tells you just like how special this is in terms of what uh, he is doing for Michigan in terms of scoring. Right. And this isn't even coming at like the expense necessarily of the run game because Blake Corum leads all running backs with nine touchdowns. He's got nine. So basically, you're looking so he's got nine. You've got two others with one. Uh, and uh, so, I mean, that that kind of tells you. But Michigan had 41 total rushing touchdowns last year. Blake Corum had 18. So he had half. I mean, you figure he's played about half the amount of games that he played last year. He's on pace to have the same amount. Um, and you know, the year before you had 31, just between Corum and Haskins out of the 39 total. Um, so that kind of tells you where they're at, but in 2019, the leading rusher was Zach Charbonnet with 11. So Corum, he's doing his thing, right? So all of this to say, like what, even though it might just be a handful of guys, but just, you know, to some degree, because there's only Three other receiving touchdowns other than Roman. Cornelius with one, uh, which was the circus catch. Samaj Morgan with one and Peyton O'Leary with one. Uh, what Roman is doing is pretty special because usually you just don't see a, a Michigan receiver go out and because he gets the attention and yet he's still dominant. So that's that's the good news, right? All right, let's let's get to a couple other really quick things before we move on here. Um, number one, uh, I thought it was interesting that Jim Harbaugh gave a dissertation on physics at the press conference. I was getting kind of sleepy 
during the press conference yesterday, and then he gives a dissertation on physics, and then I had the un- unenviable task afterwards to because uh, I already had my hand raised uh, and uh, that was about to get called on, and then Angelique asked a second question, and Jim Harbaugh did this whole thing on uh, Sir Isaac Newton, Sir Isaac Newton, and gravity, and and he you know he's trying to keep the ball in the air and all this stuff, and then I had the question of what have you seen from Minnesota on film? Cool, cool. <laughs> Like no one else was going to ask it, especially in that moment. Really wanted to. Uh, but uh, also learned a couple of interesting things with this rally group thing. They're saying that they're they're thinking about having rally groups like they do for the defense, which is basically like, all right, defensive line, you go in for four, four snaps, and you come out, and the next group goes out, and it's just a way to keep them fresh. So Jim Harbaugh is talking about maybe we need to do this for the offensive line because we just got to play all these guys. It's starting to kind of move forward. We'll see what happens with Miles Hinton. He's been banged up. He didn't. That's why we didn't see him really this last week. So if if we can see see him healthy, playing at the same level that Carson Barnhart's providing when he's in at right tackle, Ladarius Henderson certainly feels like he's getting better and better at left tackle. I, I feel like, I mean, this was the best game that the offensive line played. So it's almost like it's going to be kind of hard to, I think, displace that. But they like the idea of like, we can just continue to roll guys in, roll guys out. And I asked, uh, when I asked uh, Braden McGregor yesterday, like, is it, how difficult would that be if, like, you're preparing for a team, you're preparing for their two tackles, depending on what side you're going to be, and, and suddenly you get to another team and you're like, I've got to prepare for four. And he's like, that would just be, that would be mind-blowing. Right? So, um, there's that. The Teach the Game, TTG, as Jim Harbaugh said, which has been, uh, I think it's pretty cool. That's just uh they're doing some education, so the players before the season got to learn all about the origins of the Little Brown Jug and stuff like that. Uh, so that's cool. And uh, the last thing I do want to discuss very briefly uh, is that I do, I, if I have not, I didn't do score predictions uh, on Wolverine's Wire for the top 25 the last two weeks, I don't believe, uh, due to lack of readership i believe um but uh if i do go back maybe i'll do them for the big 10 again like i used to i i I would not be surprised in the least if maryland beat ohio state now what ohio state has going for it is it's a home game number one number two its defense is just better maryland's 39th in the country at this point hasn't necessarily played anybody that is going to be like an offensive powerhouse, but neither necessarily has Ohio State. Well, Western Kentucky might be, but I don't know. Uh, Ohio State is sixth defensively. So there is that as far as offense is concerned. Um, Ohio State's 33rd, Maryland's 29th. So they're kind of even there, right? Uh, Western Kentucky normally, in a normal year, we'd look at them up here, up in the very top. Uh, they don't seem to be there. There are 76. So Ohio State didn't play uh, your mama's Western Kentucky, right? So Western Kentucky, like use this to elucidate on the offense. Now, they, they played a similar game in terms of total yards. They, had, they did much better in yards per play, but similar in total yards against Ohio State and Troy. Troy only gave up 288 to Ohio State's 284. Uh, but normally when you're looking at Western Kentucky, you're looking at games. I mean, they got a lot of games in the 400s, but also a lot in the five and 600s, right? Last year, year before it's, you, you see a lot of five, 600 ish games. 
Uh, so far this year, uh, none that are outside. The top game was week one against South Florida. They had 465. So um, it, it is a three-win team, right? They they did win. Uh, they did win three games. They lost to Ohio State and they lost to Troy. But uh, I I say all that because I do feel like Maryland, Maryland's there, right? They they're averaging 454 yards a game, 455 yards a game. Ohio State's averaging 447. Uh, I think more importantly, I mean, it's let's look at yards per play. I feel like that's a much better. A much better accurate thing. So Ohio State's averaging 7.1 yards per play. Um, they're uh, 16th in the country. Maryland's 25th at 6.81. And then when you look at total defensive yards per play, Ohio State is fourth. Maryland is 29th, 4.8. So all of that said, it, it, I think it all just kind of varies and depends on what the game plans are and who executes. I don't think this is an obvious win for Ohio State. Would will I pick Ohio State to win? I don't know. I, I I think I mean they they came very close to losing last year at Maryland. That was at Maryland. But I don't know that they've fixed the glitch. And some of these yards and things of that nature, some of them come virtue of that Western Kentucky game, because you look on total offense. Ohio State, 380, 482, 562, and 366. One of those is an outlier. It's one game, right? So when you look at scoring, like Ohio State's pretty high in total scoring, the scoring offense, right? Where where are they? I I lost them. They were high in scoring offense. Uh, 38th, averaging 34.5, but... They scored 20-something points in, in week one and uh, against Indiana and uh, 17 against Notre Dame. So, I don't know. All right, we're getting over time here. So, anyway, let's move it along. We will be back on Wednesday talking about stuff. <laughs> I don't have a plan. No, it's not true. I don't. I have a plan. I mean, I don't have a guest is what I was going to say because next Wednesday we do have a guest. This week we don't. All right, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again soon. Peace. Peace.